All right, if you would turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue. Walking through Ephesians together. And as you're turning there, as I was studying this week, um, wrestling with the question, you know, Paul, and again, in this passage, he's going to start right off with a list of things that we should stop doing and a list of things we should start doing. And we're in that section of Ephesians, uh, verse, uh, chapters 4 through 6, where Paul is just giving a lot of instructions, a lot of exhortations, a lot of imperatives, commands, do this, don't do this. And as I was thinking about this passage, um, I, I thought about the question, so why should we do all this stuff? You know, the Bible tells us a lot of things that we're supposed to do or not do. Why do we, why do, we do and not do all these things the Bible tells us? What's, what's the point? I mean, Paul has already told us uh, all these ways to walk, which is his metaphor for how to live life. He's told us already in chapter 4 to walk in oneness. And last week, uh, Robert helped us understand how, he's, how Paul says to walk in new life, in a new life. Today, walk in love. Next week, walk in light. The week after that, walk in wisdom. All of these things that we're supposed to do as Christians. And uh, my concern is that uh, many of us, even those of us who have been in the church all our lives and known Jesus for all our lives, we tend to think that Christianity is all about just being good moral people who do the right thing. And it's more than that. In fact, it's not just another moral religion. Um, there is something different about Christianity than all the other religions. There, there are do's, there are don'ts, um, but there's something uh, behind them that is entirely different, and Paul's going to talk about that today. So, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians 4, we're going to start in, chap- uh, in verse 25, um, and if you would... Stand with me as we hear the word of the God who loves his church, the word of the God who loves you. Paul says in verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger 
and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for loving us enough to tell us the truth, um, to, to tell it to us in love, and to remind us um, that we are yours, um, and we belong to you, and that you have good and great and loving purposes for us. And, and what Paul has to say to us this morning is a part of, of you loving us well. Um, and so help us to see that. Um, help me to be able to um, e- explain clearly uh, what you're saying to us in these verses this morning. And help us to see Jesus and to, to love him, to rest in him, to trust him. And to love and rest and trust in you as well. Because you're the one who gave him to us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You're about to watch on the screen and listen to my opening illustration. If you do not like country music, first of all, there'll be a confession booth after. (laughs) Secondly, forgive me and just bear with me. But this really has a point.
Country music makes me cry sometimes, y'all. No, that, that song gets me as a dad. Um, he said, one day I'll grow up and I'll be just like you and I'll be able to do everything you do because I've been watching you. Friends, that's what Paul is talking about in these verses. Shocking, but that's true. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. As dearly loved children, be imitators of God. See, Paul is tapping into something that we all know that this song illustrates, and that is little boys who are well-loved by their daddies and who have a close uh, sweet relationship with their daddies. Uh, they adore their daddies. They admire their daddies. They want to be with them. They want to uh, walk like they walk. They want to talk like they talk. They want to wear what they wear. It's just the way it happens. Dearly loved children want to imitate the parent who loves them. The same is true for little girls when they know uh, that their mommy cherishes them and loves them and they have a sweet relationship with them. They want to do what their mommies do. And this is what makes Christianity different. <laughs> because we don't do all the things for goodness sake. We do all the things because 
We are his, and he is making us like him. All of, all of the doing that there is in the Christian life is an overflow of the relationship that we have with our Father through Jesus. See, to reduce Christianity to rule following is to miss what it's all about. It's, it's not about rule following. It's about relationship with the Father. Now, that's what Paul's been saying in Ephesians this whole time. He's told us that from eternity past, God chose us. He adopted us to be his very own because he loves us. Not not because of anything he saw in us, but purely because he loved us. He, from eternity past, chose to adopt us to be his own. And then, having made us his own, he has to change us because, as chapter 2 said, we were all dead in our rebellion against God, dead in our sins and trespasses. And so, in order to make us truly his children um, and to grow us up and mature us, he united us to his son, Jesus. And out of the great love with which he loved us, Paul said, Even while we were dead in our sins, God made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. He seated us at his right hand, at the Father's right hand, with Christ. We are so united to Jesus, his son, that we become the beloved sons and daughters of God the Father with him. And when you do that, you got to grow up. <laughs> he, he, he's growing us up to be more and more like him. And so you may think, well, wait a minute. You said it's about a relationship with the Father and not about rule following. Aren't there rules? Well, yeah. There are rules. But remember, um, rules, rules, rule, rule, ruler, um, Standards, measurements, Um, you saw in the video uh, the thing that a lot of us do in our houses where we mark the growth of the child on the doorpost, and uh, I don't know about your kids, but I think kids like to see, well, where's where's daddy's mark and where's mommy's mark, because I want to see how close I'm getting to it. Um, The rules are there to show us what it looks like to grow up into maturity, to look like God, to love like God, to have his heart and his character. Obviously, we can't do everything our daddy does, but there's a whole lot inside us that he will make to look like him. So yeah, there's, there's rules. You might say, well, wait a minute, Jimmy. What about, what about those Ten Commandments? I mean, I remember growing up and hearing, you better do those Ten Commandments, buddy. Um, yeah. And, the, and God calls them rules and statutes and commandments. Uh, and, and he did give his people those ten rules. But what we tend to forget is that before he started listing off those ten major rules to follow, 
he said these words to the people of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the house of slavery. Now, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not worship idols. You shall not take my name in vain. And on and on he goes. Did you hear what he said? I am the Lord. And he uses his name, Yahweh. I am the Lord. (laughs) I am the one that sets all the standards. Uh, All of this is mine. You are mine. You um, you are to be in submission to me. I, I I am the Lord. But then he goes on and he says, yes, I am that Lord, that great big God who looks over the circle of the earth, but I am your God. I'm yours. I want to have a personal relationship with you. I, the Lord of all the universe, am your God. And and what does that relationship look like? What's the proof that he wants that kind of personal relationship with his people? I brought you out of the house of slavery, he said. Don't forget, I'm the one who uh, promised Abraham that he would have a people and his son Isaac, I promised, and, his, and Isaac's son Jacob. And Jacob's son went into Egypt 400 years ago as 70 people. And now you come out as 2 million. I am the faithful God who has promised to be your God. And I rescued you from the house of slavery. And I did it by all those plagues, which each one was just a battle with the Egyptian gods to show that I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And I'm your God. And I rescued you from certain death. And now, I'm taking you into this promised land. And I'm going to I've made you my children, and now I'm going to grow you up to look like me. And here's what it looks like. The first four commandments, it looks like loving me back, loving God, being in relationship with me, reciprocating my love to you back to me. And it also looks like the last six commandments, loving others. Not not being completely consumed with yourself, but instead of using others for yourself, you use yourself for the sake of others like I do, God says. So yes, there are rules to follow, but they're the measurement that tells us this is what it looks like to grow up and be like God as his son or daughter. And then, later on in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God said to his people, um, I'm going to do something new in you. I'm going to do something in you to help grow up to that stature that I've set. I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put my spirit in you, he says in Ezekiel 36, and cause you to walk according to my rules. I'm going to put my spirit in you and cause you to grow up to the measure of those Ten Commandments. 
so that then the Ten Commandments don't just become Ten Commandments. They're actually Ten Promises of what you're going to look like when I'm through with you, my child. When my spirit grows you up, you will have no other gods before me. You will not worship any other idol. You will love my name and not take it in vain. And you will uh, say that it's sweet to your ear. And you will set aside not just a day of rest, but your whole life will be resting in me. And you will give yourself to love others as the rest of the commandments illustrate. And how is that possible? Because Jesus came and he said, this cup is that new covenant in my blood. And so, in order to make us the sons and daughters that he intends us to be, he sent his own son to live all of those, to measure up to those standards in our place and to die in our place for our failure to measure up. And so we are his children. So all of Ephesians so far, Paul has been saying, um, here's why you do these things that I'm telling you to do. Because you're his. And he's making you a new human, a new humanity that looks like the perfect human, Jesus. So, that's what makes it different. All of our doing flows out of all that he has already done and is doing in us. It flows out of our relationship with the Father. Now, that's, that's just verse one. Don't worry, I'm not going to spend that much time on every verse. Um, But that's key to all of this. Because you know that you're loved that much by your father, your heart is drawn to imitate him, to be like him. As you watch him love, you want to be that kind of love. And then he gives an illustration in chapter 5, verse 2. He says, well, let let me show you what it's like to be a beloved child who imitates his father. His name is Jesus. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Um, Jesus told his disciples um, when he was with them on the earth, he said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he said, as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. But he knew that he was the dearly loved Son of God. And because of that, out of the overflow of that uh, relationship with his Father, he wanted to imitate his Father. And so he gave himself up for us in a way that gave up a fragrant, pleasing aroma to God. And so, be imitators of God 
as dearly loved children. Here is Christ, who's an example of one who has done that. Um, and he says, walk in love. Jesus walked in love for his father by saying, I'm going to offer up my life, my whole life, my, my coming in the flesh, my obedience to your commands in the flesh, my obedience to you to go to the cross, to die for sinners, uh, to make them my brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm going to offer myself up to you, Father, and love you by offering myself as this fragrant sacrifice. But I'm also going to give myself up for people. That's what it looks like to walk in love, to give ourselves up to God and out to others. And Paul says, the more uh, we know that we are loved by God and the more we are enjoying this loving relationship with him, the more we will want to walk that way. Well, there should be a picture to put up here for you guys. I hope you can see that. It's a little dark. But uh, this is my Micah buddy, as we call him. Um, and uh, you can see he's wearing my sandals there. They're obviously a little too big for him. Um, and he's smiling. Um, Here's a little guy who knows his daddy loves him and, and wanted to be like him, so he put on his daddy's sandals. Um, and I'm just going to walk around in these sandals and be a big boy, be like my daddy. Um, and now he has grown into one who can fill those sandals. Um, but this is what beloved children of God do. They want to put on his shoes and walk around in love. <laughs> um, and and that's, what, that's what these five things at the end of chapter 4 are. They are Paul saying, this is what it looks like to put on your father's shoes and walk in love. Um, every one of these five things, and we're going to briefly go over them, and then uh, we'll go to the table, but every one of them is a turning away from self, turning away from a heart that is all about me first, and turning out to God and others to say, no, you first. Every one of them is that. It's very simple. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on these instructions he gives. I think they're fairly clear, and you can apply them to your life, and I'm actually going to give you something to help you do that to take home with you, but uh, let's just look at them really quickly. There's five of them. And remember, he's, he's still following the theme that we're in the verses from last week where he says, put off these old self-clothes and put on your new self-clothes, okay? Um, and so he says, uh, verse 25, Therefore, having put away, that's the same word, put off, falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Look, your father, your father is true. Your father has nothing false in him. Your father is who he is. And he um, truthfully and faithfully loves people. 
Um, I don't think this is necessarily just about uh, speaking the truth, um, telling the truth. It's not less than that, but I think it's a certain kind of telling the truth because he, he, con- he puts it in the context of, for we are members of one another, one of another. He's talking about the way that we uh, relate to one another. Uh, instead of speaking falsehood to and about one another, we should speak God's truth to and about one another, Paul is saying. So let me ask us the question. This is what convicted me about this verse this week. When I talk about my brothers and sisters in Christ, you in this room or others, people in my family, am I saying what God says about them is true? Or do I say something false about them or to them? Um, Do I talk about another Christian in a way that... uh, accentuates what's wrong with them, where they're always falling short, and why they're not as good a Christian as me? (laughs) Or do I speak more like the Father speaks about them? You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Is that how I speak about and to my brothers and sisters in Christ? Just a thought. It's a shift from putting off the old way of speaking falsehoods and putting on the new way of speaking the Father's truth about people who are members of me. The second one is about anger. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Um, the Father is described in the Old Testament. We tend, people tend to think the Old Testament God is an angry God. New Testament God is the loving God. Well, actually, he's angry all the way through, and for good reason, because he hates what is destroying the ones he loves. So his anger is righteous. Um, but he's also loving all the way through. The Old Testament describes him as slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It takes a lot to get him angry. It doesn't take much to get him to pour out love. And so what Paul is saying is, be like that. Be like your father. Be slow to anger um, and abounding in steadfast love. And, And watch out. Because the devil wants to get in there. Don't be, like, don't be like the father of lies and the father of accusations um, in your relationships. Okay, the third one. Uh, verse 28. Let, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share, to give generously with anyone in need. And that's very simple. Instead of uh, living as if all of your resources that God has given you are about you, be generous. Use what God has given you to be able to do for the sake of other people. That one's pretty simple and straightforward. 
Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Boy, we could spend a long time talking about this, but we won't. The difference is instead of speaking words to one another that corrupt, that corrode, that rot, that's what the word means, speak words that build, that establish, that encourage, that give grace, that are appropriate for the need of the person, which means you need to understand the person well enough to know their need. Because this is what your father does for you. This is what Jesus has done for you. He doesn't speak words that rot you. He speaks words that give you grace and build you up. Do that for one another. And then he says in verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. All I'm going to say here is that that just proves that this is all relational. If, If putting on the old self and doing those old things are something that can grieve the heart of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, that means he's a personal, he's a person. <laughs> I was going to say personal being, but no, he's a person. And so this is relational. It, all of this flows out of our relationship with the true and living God who is in us and who loves us. And the, the fifth one is, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How? Why? As God in Christ forgave you. So if you want to know what it looks like to love another person who is your enemy or who feels like they are or who you think might be, whether there's somebody on TV or in the chair next to you this morning, if you want to know what it looks like to love an enemy, Look at how Jesus has loved you. Kind and tender-hearted, willing to forgive. Hmm. So friends, um, all of this makes me ask the question as we close. Um, if, if any of those five things, if you're like, oh man, ouch, that one hurt. Oh, that one hurt. Like they didn't. Let those be uh, like a flashing light on the dashboard of your heart that says, hey, you better check under the hood. Something's going on. And what's going on under the hood is something about your relationship with your father, your relationship with Jesus. If 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 I'm not walking in love as my father walks in these various areas that Paul mentions, then then it should be a sign to me that, oh, my relationship with my father needs, I need to know it better and and I I need to experience his love for me. I need to watch him more. I love how the song, uh, the way he said it was, I want to be like you, so I've been watching you. And so friends, uh, at the risk of being very simplistic in this application this morning, how, how can we watch our Father? How do we watch Jesus? How do we know his heart for us? We know, the only way we know it is here. 
friends, I beg you, if you're not soaking in this story, and, and not just to have Bible knowledge, but to know God, to know your Father, to know Jesus and his love for you, um, to know this spirit who lives in you. How, how can you imitate one you don't know? He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, and he wants to tell you in these pages. And, and as we've talked about, dive into this story about his love for you with other people. So get help. <laughs> um, I love, on Thursday nights, I, I do a Zoom call with three guys, and we've just been reading slowly an overview of the Bible. And I just love how they ask questions, and they're digging in, and they're like, whoa, I never, I never knew God was like that, or I never heard that before. And what we're discovering all along the way is how patient and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love God really is. In the Old Testament, some of the hardest stuff to read just reveals his heart. So I urge you, (laughs) soak in this story because that's how you're going to know your father's heart and then talk to him about it be in communion uh, in constant conversation with with him about it and to help you do that a little bit this week um, I created this little uh, handout that if I could get a couple of you folks to just come and give everybody one to take home there's plenty so if you want to take an extra one to somebody else um all I've, all I've done is maybe for the next five days, if you want to do it, I've taken each one of those five things that Paul has talked about, ways that we walk in our Father's shoes, um, even if they feel too big for us, we'll grow into them. He'll grow us into them. Um, I've taken each one of those, so read that part of Ephesians 4. And then what I've done is I've said, okay, look at your father. And I've given you some passages from the Old Testament and New Testament uh, to help you look at your father's heart that, as it relates to the thing that Paul is saying to put off or put on. And then I just asked the question, so Paul's told us to put something off. What, how are you going to do that today? What are you going to put off? And that's another way of saying... How are you going to repent? You know, how are you going to say, I need to change this direction and move in this other direction? Uh, And then I just ask the question, how are you going to put on what Paul is saying to put on? How are you going to put on your father's sandals today and walk in love as he has loved you? So there's something for you to do each day and on the back is just a little bit of further explanation about each of those things looking at Jesus and you know remember Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father so when you're looking at Jesus you are looking at your father's heart okay you're looking at the father's heart in the flesh so looking at Jesus what it means to put off the old self and put on the new self If that helps you, I hope it helps you to spend some time looking at him so that you, and talking to him about it. You can't just 
read it and go, yep, check that off. No, have conversation with them about it. And if, if you don't like it, tell them you don't like it. He knows. Um, but uh, just be with your father. Uh, be with Jesus. Uh, know that you are a dearly loved child. And know it to the point that you just can't want anything more than to be like him. Father, let's, uh, let's do that. Would you, would you help us? Um, would you help us to know? to really know, to feel, to experience how much you love us, not just in our heads, but in our hearts and in our relationships with one another. Help us even now as we come to this table uh, to see, as we read in 1 John this morning, that this is the love of the Father for us, that he sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation, the payment for our sin. And this table shows us clearly and shouts with joy, I love you, I love you, I love you. Help us to hear that this morning as we come. In Christ's name I pray, amen.